Welcome back to the Tea on 2020. The podcast that helps you stay politically informed because we all know that it's a struggle to stay up to date. So instead, use our weekly TLDR to maintain your status as an informed voter. Last week, we talked about gun control, and we touched a little bit on this week's topic, though in an ideal world, we wouldn't have to. Today, we're going back to school, so get out your number two pencils and keep your eyes on your own paper as we zero in on higher education, also known as everything beyond high school. You may be a college student right now. You may plan to be one in the future, or maybe you dropped out of Harvard, started an app for people to overshare their lives on, and are now a bazillionaire collecting everyone's data. No matter who you are, you probably heard about college in the news lately because of the latest admission scandals. Yes, we know. That's old news. Insert cliche Aunt Becky from from Full House joke here. However, today we're not going to focus on getting into college. For that, you're on your own. Instead, let's take a look at how much higher education costs and how people can afford it. As of fall 2016, there were close to 20 million students pursuing post-secondary, undergraduate, or graduate degrees, and that number is expected to increase. Surprisingly, these numbers are actually lower than the all-time highs reached in the time period between 2009 and 2014, but the number of students enrolled in the coming years is supposed to bring a new record high. At the same time that the number of students is increasing, the price of attending college is skyrocketing as well. According to the latest National Center for Education Statistics, during the 2015 to 2016 year, on average, college tuition, fees, room and board cost $19,000 per year for a public four-year university and $40,000 for a private university. Comparing these numbers to the average costs of attendance for four years in 1989, college prices have doubled, even after adjusting for inflation. So, what does all of this mean for today's students? These two increasing facets have resulted in the ever-so-dreaded loans crisis. I know. Take a minute to breathe. Hashtag self-care. To afford the rising cost of attending college, more and more students are turning to student loans. Why are loans a problem, you may ask? You simply repay them? But what happens when students can't or struggle to pay them back? Student loan debt can be crippling. Data shows that 65% of graduating seniors in the class of 2017 graduated with student loan debt averaging about $28,650. Getting into the specifics of private versus federal loans and when loans accrue interest can be tricky, but just know that currently the outstanding debt of all student loans or the money that has yet to be paid back falls around $1.4 trillion dollars a number I can't even begin to visualize. For all you Red fans out there, no one, just me, okay? Um, Okay, the song Seasons of Love tells us that there are 525,600 minutes in a year. If we multiply that by a lot, we would finally reach 1 trillion minutes in the mere quantity of 1,902,587 years. Dealing with the student loan crisis and the prices of higher education is the responsibility of both our 2020 candidates and today and tomorrow's students. Students will have to evaluate the value of their education. 
In my opinion, education itself should always be valued. So what happens when we put a dollar amount on it? Candidates will have to decide how to determine eligibility for student loans, what kind of loans to offer, how to forgive loans when people cannot pay, or on the other hand, penalize late payments, and how to deal with rising public and private university prices. Let's take a look to see what the 2020 candidates have to say. Betsy DeVos, you might have heard of her. She is 61 years old, known more for her yachts than her actual education or commitment to public education. Mm-hmm. She was confirmed to be Secretary of Education with a 51-50 margin. Mike Pence, Queen Mike Pence, <laughs> had to be the tiebreaker. And she is in charge of public education, but she went to private high school and has a BA in business economics from a private college. She's also very active in the Michigan Republican Party. And those are really her credentials. That's about it. And that her first name sounds like a cow's name. It does. It's like very Southern. So her ideas can be summed up pretty simply with one word, deregulation, which is the <laughs> same word that we hear for many of the politics in line with the general Republican Party platform, wanting a small government. Yeah. Betsy DeVos wants less restrictions on accreditation needed to receive federal funding from all these schools. And she wants to make sure that there are less credit hours needed. And she says that this will allow for more alternate education providers. So basically loosening restrictions and loosening really government control of what can go on in these schools. So most of her ideas can be summed up in the latest budget, which was, this was the budget proposed by Trump. It's not necessarily the budget that was passed. It was not the budget that was passed, but it really gets to the heart of what her ideas are. She wanted to actually decrease funding to her own department, which is quite interesting because I don't think any other departments wanted to decrease in the things that they were responsible for. No, and she publicly stated that it was almost ridiculous the amount of money that her department is getting. So she actually wanted this 12% decrease in funding and Congress decided to increase funding. Right. Um, but that's, and that's it was thing. unanimous too. It wasn't only, it was no, this is a very, exactly. This is not really, she doesn't represent, she does represent the Republican ideals of deregulation, but a lot of her policies are more in line with very far right Trump politics rather than the general congressional population. Yes. In addition, she's talked a lot about student loans. Particularly, she proposed ending loan forgiveness for public service workers. And if you don't know what public with um, what loan forgiveness is, it's for it's to encourage college students to enter into historically lower paying fields like social work and teaching and certain forms of um, the, the medical fields. Even mm-hmm. so, what would happen is after a period of ten years, paying back loans on time, the rest of their federal loans would be forgiven really giving them a chance to move up in their career and not have to worry about this because then they don't have to worry about how much their money they're getting paid. Right. As opposed to a lot of people who have a lot of debt may enter into higher paying fields that may, might not necessarily be as beneficial to the general public. Mm-hmm. So she wants to get rid of this. Many students have said that the program is hard to navigate. So it's not that this program is perfect. Mm-hmm. But it still is an option for some students pursuing these fields. So she proposed an alternative 
She said that students would be eligible for a separate student loan forgiveness program, and it would cancel their debt after paying 12.5% of their income for 15 years for undergraduates and 30 years for those with a graduate degree. So this is actually based on a typical plan. I had no idea it was even in place. Mm-hmm. So currently, really, no matter what your degree is, for this is only for federal, for public loans, right. but if you, it caps at 10% of your income. So if you pay 10% of your income for 20 years for undergraduates, on-time payments, then there is a way for you to get the rest of your loan for your loans forgiven mm-hmm. and 25 for graduates. So this program would make people pay more. It would actually be shorter time for undergraduates, which is the only thing that's kind of interesting, right. but a lot more for graduates. So I really don't understand the basis behind mm-hmm. this program. But the thing, the other thing is it's putting every student in line with another, no matter what your career field is, no matter how much money you're making, or no matter what services you're providing to the community. In addition, in their per budget, she did request $130 million to upgrade the loan servicing system of the federal government, but also while eliminating available loans. So she wasn't requesting more loan money to be made available for students. She was actually taking that away. She wanted to upgrade the system, the way that people can find loans. Right. So it was very much an infrastructure spending thing, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So my questions about this are, why does she want to cut spending to her own department? I think it encompasses this idea that university and higher education be privatized, not public. Mm-hmm. So by cutting the public funding, you're going to force the private or basically people who want to access this education to the private sector, um, stimulating growth and demand within the private sector of education, which she does personally have uh, interests in as Mm -hmm. far as she's known for holding stock in private universities. Um, So I think that's, yeah, pretty much it. That's going to benefit her and her, the people who back her in the long run. So it's a little bit self-centered. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk about this in terms of student loan debt, which is one of our, Key tenets of investigation. Right. Do you think this will do anything to decrease decrease student loan debt? I find it really hard to believe that it will, especially when you eliminate the subsidized loans for low-income students, because I think that ultimately those are the individuals who incur the highest amount of debt because they're going into college with very little savings. Mm-hmm. So they're taking out much larger loans. Yes. So when you eliminate that, I mean... Where else are we going to get the money from? So it seems like in addition to deregulation, it's really making every student equal. So no matter the income that you come into it, no matter the income that you get out of college, you're all going to go under the same system. Exactly. Which may be beneficial for students maybe at the top. Right. But for low-income students, it doesn't seem like there are any benefits. No. So that brings me to our, our last question. Is there anything good about this? Um, we say, try to stay a little bit... Nonpartisan. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess the idea of like encouraging people to take lower paying public service jobs um, is beneficial because I definitely No, she got rid of that. What? Yeah. That's what happens. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry, sorry. I <laughs> That's gone. 
the never mind. Yeah, no, I don't. I really can't find anything. I think I'm just pulling teeth at this point. I think this is a pretty bad plan, and I think it further shows her disinterest in really furthering public education, despite her role in this government. Yes. Okay. So let's take a look. And it's just important to note again that this is not the view of every Republican, because there are many Republicans and many people in the center who really support education and support these types of policies. Right. And that's, I mean, it was shown when it was a bipartisan effort to increase the funding to this department, despite her efforts to decrease this is not a critique of the republican party just one member who happens to have a lot of power regarding this issue I agree. let's take a look at what joe biden has to say joe biden uh was delaware's longest serving senator he is known as president obama's former president obama's uh vice president he was born in scranton pennsylvania uh he had a stuttering problem entering uh up to entering law school, which is very interesting because he's known for his public speaking yeah. and his very cool demeanor. Um, he claims that his favorite meal is pasta. But he's always eating ice cream. Yeah, that's very confusing. I do agree. Both are uh, great. We should talk to his PR rep about that. And he was actually elected as senator at 29, but due to congressional laws, he had to wait until he was 30 to be sworn in. Biden represents kind of this uh, overarching centralist idea on college reform that a lot of Democratic candidates have taken in this field. Um, but he's kind of the one who's spoken spoken about it the most and has been a little bit more clear. So basically what he wants is he wants two years of free public community college for all students. So this idea that because people need more than 12 years of education to get jobs, they need past high school education, quote, sending everyone to a community college for free, cutting in half the cost of their four-year education, end quote, is going to be help the burden that current students face going through college. Um, this plan is estimated to cost $6 billion a year, and this will be paid for by reversing the tax cuts that were enacted by the Trump administration. Um, He also wants to increase federal funding for state colleges and universities uh, due to the fact that the current Congress slashed the overall Mm -hmm. budget, um, despite what happened with Betsy DeVos. Um, And Biden kind of abides by this idea that as the budget for state colleges and universities increase, so will the college's scholarships and financial help will also increase um, because they'll have more money. He kind of claims that he's in, he is an expert on higher education because his wife is actually a professor of English at Northern Virginia Community College. And his wife kind of comes out during these political rallies and claims that, quote, any country that out-educates us will out-compete us. This idea that we need smart people to create a smart future for America and to keep us competitive in the global world. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, there's already several states, such as Tennessee and Nevada, that already provide free community college to in-state residents, not out-of-state residents, which this plan would allow mm-hmm. to happen. Um, and arguably, this makes Biden very uh, bipartisan because 
there are Republican governors that have supported free community college. So he can kind of attract those swing voters. Um, You know, the more moderate Republicans are unhappy with Trump. So I guess my first question is, is this really an innovative plan or something that will just lower college debt and make higher education a little bit more accessible? So I think it'll definitely lower student debt for some people, but there are still a lot of things that just community college can't afford. I mean, I think it's a great thing that some people who wouldn't go to college otherwise are really going to college. But for students who are planning to go only to a four-year college, is it really going to alter their plans? Are they going to be more encouraged to go to a two-year college first? Mm -hmm. And will all four-year colleges accept this two-year education? Because I know a lot of private colleges think they're better than everyone. Right. No, that's that's a very good point. Um, do you think this is kind of a safe way for him to reach across party lines? Do you think this is more of a move to attract voters than it is to create, a, you know, an, a very state-of-the-art college reform? I mean, Joe Biden in general is trying to appeal to voters as someone who's very in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what the Democratic Party has to do in a large part especially when the Democratic nomination is decided if they really want to beat Trump. So I think he's getting a little bit of an early start on that, mm-hmm. though I'm not sure if it will help him among his other Democratic contenders, because a lot of them tend to be more to the left. So it's going to be interesting to see how this view plays out in a field of, very more pro- of much more progressive people. I think in general, I'm not sure what he truly thinks about education, but I think this is a very safe way to approach it. Mm-hmm. because it's also not ruling out that there can be more in the future. He doesn't really talk a lot about how he's going to help with the loan crisis. Maybe this would reduce future students' debts, but it really wouldn't take care of current students or students, well, past students who are struggling with debt. I think it's interesting, and I think since so many states already have this in place or are playing with the idea of this, right. it's not too much of a stretch that the, that the national government can establish this in the future. So I think I think that this is something that we're going to see in the coming years, no matter if Joe Biden is president or not. Now, my last question I have is about the value of community college education. Do you think Biden's plan will increase the value of a community college degree or will it just further allow a college degree to become the new high school degree because it will become even more accessible? That's a really interesting implication. Because we talk about the value of a college degree has really increased. the Really, the need for a college degree has increased in later years because more people are getting college degrees. Right. So I wonder if this would do the same thing. It's some implications to think about. But do you deny people accessibility for the possible future implications that it could have? Mm -hmm. And I can only think about this as a singular person, as an individual. Mm -hmm. I think about my decision to go to a four-year college versus a community college. And I don't know if it would change my idea of going to community college. Right. I don't know if it will make people want to go to a community college first and then continue to get a four-year degree after. Mm -hmm. I I just think it's too early to tell. Mm -hmm. And I think the value of a community college education, I think the value of education is going to continue to increase. We talk about the increased number of students going to college and how that number is supposed to reach its highest highest, level. number yet. Mm -hmm. So I think in general, now so many jobs, you need master's degrees. Maybe it's going to be PhDs in the future. And I don't think that's something we can change. And I don't think making community college accessible is going to 
expedite this process. Right. So even though this might be a consideration to talk about in 50 years, I don't think that talking about it right now should be a determining factor for what happens in today's policy. Right. And you think about how many people pay for private high school. Why would you pay if you're coming from, if you've invested in high school, why are you then not going to invest in college? That's true. It's interesting. Sounds good. Our last candidate is Bernie Sanders, the Vermont Senator with the Brooklyn accent. Uh, he was born to the 99%, but now is he's in the 1%. What? The 1%. Yeah, he's in the 1%. But he now. talks about the 99% and the 1%. Exactly. Yes. There's only two parts of society. Continue. He filibustered in the Senate for eight hours straight once. And this is when you don't want anything to proceed in the Senate, so you ask to be called on to talk. He talked nonstop for eight hours. Which is not the longest filibuster. No, but. Still impressive for the guy. Really He's pretty impressive. old. <laughs> and he was the first independent to be elected to the House of Representatives in 40 years. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So basically, Bernie Sanders is making headway for the free college for all, which is his $47 billion a year to states to eliminate undergraduate tuition and fees at public colleges and universities. So it's idea that if public colleges and universities, the tuition for these two institutions equal $70 billion per year, the federal government will cover 67% of the cost, and states would be responsible for the remaining 33%. So to qualify for federal funding, states need to meet a number of requirements to protect students, ensure quality of their education, and to reduce these ballooning costs that he claims exist but doesn't outline what they are. Um, the states need to maintain spending on their higher education systems and colleges and colleges and universities must reduce their reliance on low pay adjunct facilities, basically establishing long-term faculty jobs as well. Um, states can also use the funding to increase academic opportunities for their students, hire new faculty and provide professional development opportunities for professors. So this idea that college reform both will help the student, but also the employers of these public colleges and institution. The funding under this program cannot be used for administer salaries, merit-based financial aid, or the construction of non-academic buildings such as stadiums and student centers. In addition, he has the low student loan interest rates, uh, and basically he argues that the student loan interest rates will be restored to the formula, which was in effect until 2016, which hmm. I didn't really understand what was going on with that. But basically this idea that student loan interest rates kind of increased um, and the legislation would kind of ensure that the government can't keep increasing this interest rates. Um, and it will enable borrowers, so students, to refinance their loans, their loans based on interest rates available to current students. So if you got your loan at an interest rate of 3% and currently it's at 2%, you get it refinanced. Interesting. Now, the question is, it requires a lot of money. And where is this money going to come from? And he claims by basically imposing different types of taxes and fees on Wall Street, there will be so much money flowing into this program that not only will we provide 
free university, but this money can also go for free universal health care. So what are we taxing Wall Street? There is going to be a 0.5% um, tax on stock trades, so 50 cents for every $100 worth of stock. And think about it, if you have Amazon stock, which is worth over $500, I mean, it's, it it's a significant a, amount. Yeah. Bezos is going to start paying. Um, there's going to be a 0.1% fee on bonds, which is how the government actually incurs interest mm -hmm. from its citizens, and a 0.005% fee on derivatives, which are actually quite frequently. So I guess my question is, is this plan a little op optimistic? I mean, how much debt are we forgiving, and how will this hurt the economy if people are now going to be taxed on stocks and bonds? I mean, why buy government bonds? Why should a company have stock? Hmm. I don't know. See, I can see in your tone that you're a little bit, <laughs> you're not loving this proposal. I don't know how I feel about it. To be honest, I feel like he's moving in the right direction. I understand this idea of free education, and I understand that there has to be a cost. But I don't think taxing Wall Street is going to solve that, and I think that it's going to retaliate and cause some animosity and the private firms that you know are investing in private institutions can start pulling out oh well yeah i mean there's no way that this plan is going to be approved first of all just by the fact that you're bringing wall street into it i don't think republicans are really going to no. go for it so unless there's really a democratic majority and a very strong progressive democratic majority it's not going to happen i think something that's interesting compared to comparing bernie sanders to joe biden is joe biden wanted to fund his program by reinstituting this tax that was tax breaks tax breaks not specifically on wall street but just corporations right. and people making a lot of money in general mm -hmm. so i'm wondering obviously you can't get a lot of money but i was wondering if something like this just mm -hmm at a lower scale mm -hmm. could work if you reinstate the funding that Joe Biden is talking about and additionally find some different tax sources. Because right now, the 0.5% on stock trades, that's true. We really don't know what's going to happen if right. that could affect the economy because I don't believe that there's ever been something of this scale done before. Right. Exactly. And I think that it also, I mean, it blames Wall Street for our education issues. And I don't think Wall Street's the only, you know, that's true. Bad person in this scenario. Yeah, but that's the one percent. <laughs> the one thing that I think he does get right is when he talks about student loan interest rates. Right. Yes. Because if we had gone to school before 2006, are you mm -hmm. telling me that we'd have a lot less debt? Right. And we talked about how this debt crisis is really new. Mm -hmm. Students before hadn't had to deal with this. So I'm wondering why these interest rates were increased so much. Why are we getting the government's money from students instead of from some other sources? Yeah. No, I agree. And I guess my last point is he I think he makes a very valid point about monetary donations going towards student centers, stadiums, facilities, basically buildings that are not available for all students and don't actually increase the value of their education. Like an Ivy degree will never be undervalued by Penn State's football stadium. So why not give the money to research grants, work study, or programs that all students can benefit from? Yeah, as a student who is attending a school where they're currently building a new soccer stadium, which I don't even know we had a soccer team. It's 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 hard to I mean, I know that a lot of students want these, but it's 
it's one thing when the money to all these recreational facilities are coming from private donors rather than the federal government. Yeah. I guess one last question though is, do you think addressing, you know, increasing money towards these institutions will address the disparities that minorities face in order to get into college? The fact that you need a high school degree in order to apply for college and you need to pay application fees and pay, you know, undergo standardized testing? No, I mean, I think that this this proposal cannot exist in itself without first attacking disparities in public education in general. Because mm-hmm. it's really interesting that this is being tackled on a national level because historically education is really handled on a state-by-state basis. And that's right. how it's been for years. So there's so much of a disparity between someone going to high school in Alabama, yes, calling Alabama out because I'm pretty sure they're 50th, and the high schools that we went to in the Northeast. Right. So a public school there is not the same as a public school. And a public school in the suburbs is not the same as a public school in the city. It's just 15 minutes away. Right. So I think that this needs to be addressed. And then there's also something that we're not getting at. I mean, both of us go to private colleges. Mm -hmm. And we made an active decision to go to private colleges. Right. In spite of the financial burden. Burden, yeah. And with all of this being done, are people still going to choose to go to these private colleges because of what a private degree in some instances, especially at the top, if we look at college rankings, which I hate looking at because they're so stupid, but people still care about college rankings. Right. Employers do. Yeah. And some states have wonderful public universities, especially the California public state, the California state um, education system is phenomenal. I mean, their universities, some of them are just impossible to get into unless you have the top grades or out of, or you're out of state. And they also have really everything in between So you can find a college to go to, but in other, in other states where there's only really one big university or the universities are just not at the same level as some other ones, people are still going to be flocking towards private, private universities and private institutions. Mm -hmm. So I think that what really no candidate has tackled is how we're going to deal with the private versus public debate. Yeah, that's very true. Right. The only thing that Bernie did talk about that the other candidates also didn't talk about is he talked about professors because this isn't just about students. And I don't really know that his proposal would help professors, but I think it's important to bring them into the conversation. Yeah, right. That you also need to, you know, change how you treat your faculty because if you don't have good educators, you're not going to have good students. That's true. Good educator makes all the difference. I'm sure everyone listening will agree. Yes. Now it's time for a recap. Let's put these candidates on a spectrum. On the far left is our favorite Walmart suit supermodel, Bernie. He's all for having government fund higher education and implementing incentives for public colleges and universities to invest in faculty and equitable programs. In the center is Joe. He wants free two-year community college that allows students to finish a four-year degree without debt that will hold their professional ambitions back. It's nothing life-changing, but it reaches across the aisle, something that this country has failed to do these past three years. And on the far right is Betsy. She personally does not believe in public education, and her actions speak on behalf of that opinion. College and university should be at the mercy of capitalism. May the financially strongest student win. Now it's time to spill the tea. We tend to accept the state of higher education today in the United States because it is all that we know. For those of us who plan to work in the U.S., there really is no alternative. 
So, what does higher education look like in other places? Put away your wallet, because in countries like Germany, Norway, and Finland, college at public universities is completely free, and even some graduate programs are free. In fact, there are more than 23 countries where college tuition is much cheaper than college in the United States. The only comparable tuition fees are in the UK. Seems like we kept our old colonizers' language and expensive tastes. However, even compared to the UK, American students have considerably more debt, and worse accents. So, why haven't we found a solution as of yet? First, the college debt crisis is relatively new. Tuition when your parents went to school was not at today's level, and paying off limited amounts of debt was accordingly easier. Throwback to when things were just all around cheaper. So what can we learn from how these other countries deal with higher education? Should I book my flight to France tomorrow? Yes, but no. There is a current debate over whether public tuition should be paid for because of the considerable tax increases that it would call for. Some people think this is worth it, while others feel like it diminishes choice. It is worth it to look at the size of many public European universities, which teach in a much more impersonal way than current smaller U.S. universities. Speaking from experience, those two-hour lectures can be hell. Would the system of teaching carry over as well? Though we are unlikely to see a complete overhaul of the higher education system in the near future. Many changes concerning college accessibility are already taking place, including free community college and expansions of financial aid on a statewide basis, but not on a national scale. No matter the future of higher education, since tuition changes will not affect private colleges, it will be important to deal with the amount of debt that students are taking on. If a country like the UK has considerably lower debt in spite of comparable tuition, the government needs to work harder in providing federal loans and larger grants towards those who need them the most. Additionally, there needs to be an easier way for students to pay back loans or be forgiven for certain amounts of debt so that it does not cripple their futures prematurely. Unless you can get someone to Photoshop you into a high school squash team photo or find someone to give 12 to gift 12 million dollars to Stanford because the school is just that great i mean the school really deserves it then well things can be different then learn more by using the links posted in the description don't forget to subscribe and check us out on all social media sites at the t on 2020 for more in-depth content thank you stay in school and go vote